Hello and welcome to Das Nostalgia Podcast, episode 21. As usual, I'm your host, Anatoly, and today I have another very special guest with me. Sir, please introduce yourself. Hi, yeah, I'm uh, Matt Bradley Shergame on Twitter, at M-A-T-W-B-T. I do some writing for uh, Laser Time and Battleship Pretension. So I write about movies and video games uh, online. And I, I've been a fan of uh, computer gaming for since I turned about 12 years old, I think. So um, it, I just had a real fun following your uh, your Twitter feed and seeing all the old pic, the pictures of the old games and some of the videos. And uh, it's it's nice to see there's still people out there playing the classics. And with websites like uh, Good Old Games, it's easy to get them running on newer machines. Right. Oh, I'm glad to have you here. Well, before uh, we get into our uh, main topic, do you have a recollection of encountering IBM PC or compatible for the first time? I do. You know, the the first time I I really had an IBM PC that I I spent time with, it was my dad's work computer. Uh, He had it at home, and it was a a 386 at Windows 3.1. I think it was DOS 5.0. had PC speaker, no sound card. And... um, I would play all sorts of shareware on it. It could play Wolfenstein 3D. It couldn't quite run Doom right. on it. Um, we also had like Mario Teaches Typing was on it. And, uh, <laughs> yes. So uh, a lot of demos, a lot of shareware. Um, so that was fun. But with PC Speaker, you couldn't adjust the volume on that thing. Right, so I'd be yeah. playing it, and it was out in the living by the living room, very public area of the house, and you could. I'm sure people were, uh, my parents were quite annoyed with <laughs> yes. the PC speakers squawking <laughs> through everywhere. But eventually, we we upgraded to a uh, Packard Bell 4666 with a double speed CD-ROM. Uh, I think eight gigs of RAM had Windows 3.11 for work groups for some reason was mm-hmm. on it, and I had that machine for several years. And having a, a sound card, even if it was not a very good one, was a was a big upgrade from PC speaker. And uh, yeah, that that's that's how I, I got started uh, playing uh, DOS games. Nice, very nice. Well, <clears throat> you've reached out to me on Twitter and suggested that we talk about um, Interplay's tenth anniversary collection which i wasn't really familiar with and um, looking it up the official title is interplay's 10-year anthology classic collection and word anniversary doesn't really figure into the title it's kind of like in the middle of a box uh but yes it's turned out to be pretty curious uh sort of um CD-ROM collection of of ten interplay titles from eighty three to ninety three. Is there any kind of a special like reason you wanted to talk about this? Uh, yeah, I think it does a good example of doing you know one game per year, and they're games in all sorts of different genres. You have you know sort of an illustrated text adventure. You have RPGs. You have battle chess. I, I would say might be the most popular game on this collection. And and then you have things like Star Trek 25th Anniversary and Out of This World. So you have, you have different games that are famous for different reasons. And um, they're not all great games, but I think the, the presentation on the disc is is interesting. It also had demos for a lot of other games as well. And I think the manual is like uh, 400 pages or something it had. Yeah, it's, it's actually it's a pretty cool collection. Again, I haven't encountered it before, but I was going through it, and there are certain things that I... Uh, I like about it. Um, well, uh, first of all, it has its own 
uh, sort of like the uh, installer interface, right? With a nice sort of intro and a, and a CD track for for the <laughs> installer of, of every game, which is really weird because what it does uh when when you st- when you select the game from menu right it actually copies the files over <laughs> to your hard drive it wastes your hard drive so it can play the cd track while it's <laughs> unpacking the files um but the installer for each not only it has a cd track tune for each of the installers but it also has like custom art for each installer and like little interviews that you can read while you're copying files which is funny because you don't think nowadays it's like five seconds and the game's installed because they're all the same as their original floppy versions, right? They're not enhanced in any way. So they're each, you know, like four, five, maybe seven megabytes, like at at most, right? And uh, so now it's like two seconds. But back in the day, if you had like a single speed CD-ROM, those would take forever. So you actually had time to read the interviews while you were installing stuff. Pretty cute. It is. And it's not just that. You could take that CD-ROM, you could put it in a CD player. Oh, yes. And and listen to it, and they also had tracks of music for games that were not even part yeah, of the collection. It's they had music for Buzz Aldrin's Race into Space, which was some sort of a, a simulator game. There was a there was a demo of it on the disc, and I don't actually know if that that track is used in the demo. I don't think so. But yeah, like the CD itself, I think has some twenty something tracks. Like I I put it uh, I, I played with my XM player, and I don't know how. It, well, it actually I think it goes by the label or some such shit. It, it ID'd all the tracks. Mm. And, and I looked through the list and I was like, this is actually pretty impressive, uh, impressive stuff. So yeah, I really like the actual presentation of the discs. Fairly unusual for the time to, to, I guess it was an anthology collection, but not many people sort of did it that way. No, you, you might have had, I, I recall Sierra at that time did, you know, King's Quest and Space Quest collections. But, but they're they were just, not as elaborate. They usually would they, just they, They're have, not, no, they're just the, all the games on the disc. Yeah, and, they have um, like a batch files for selection and maybe you had an extra, like the King's Quest ones had like the extra text that you could read, but there were also separate programs that you would have to install by yourself and configure by yourself you know this thing order runs right there's a whole bunch of folders on the disk there's a, right. there's a batch file called called tenth.bat and mm-hmm. you just run it and it like it auto ids well it actually doesn't auto id your sound card because it doesn't need it it goes through the cd-rom tracks so it just tells your cd-rom to to play the track for the stuff so it, it, it's it's really really cool i i did the, and it's a good collection of games as well. Uh, like you said, one per year technically, although if you take their DOS release dates into consideration, mm. it's not exactly that. Sure. Because for some of those games, DOS versions arrived a year or so late, later than their original, like, like Apple II or, or C64 versions and stuff like this. Especially, well, for the earlier games at least. So I guess let's, Talk about them. I we should go on the release date, right? From like the I, I think I think so. Yeah. So yeah. Um, one of the first ones on there is Mind Shadow, Mind which Shadow. is a, a text adventure that uh, Brian Fargo, uh, founder of Interplay, he he wrote it, mm-hmm. and um, it, it's it's quite crude. It's difficult. Uh, it's honestly quite difficult to get into. the The graphics are are not so good. Uh, you play a guy who wakes up on a beach. He does not remember who he is. Classic. And. It, and he's sort of lost, and then uh, you you can. I remember you run into this bird that will start speaking to you at points. It the whole thing doesn't make a lot of sense, and al- although it did ship with like a four hundred page uh, manual, <laughs> uh, it did not have walkthroughs in there, right? Um, as you might see in other collections. So that that made it 
very uh very challenging but even for this you know what's really a, an unknown text adventure that they created a unique cd track as the in part of the installer package mm-hmm. is just completely crazy yeah. it, it's nice i like that they did that but there is a nice extra touch put specifically in that collection that i really enjoyed yeah, and the game didn't even have music to begin with. So right. I, well, it's, yeah, it's a game from 1984. It barely, it barely has graphics, and it's one of those sure. games that's like so early. It, uh, the graphics in the CG, is in CGA for color, right? But it's also one of those super early games, which means it's also supported the uh, the composite CGA output. So you could you could have nice sort of Apple II looking graphics if you had uh, a composite monitor. You know, a technique that's been abandoned, like only a couple years later. Well, not a couple, but the, but a few. You know, like by late eighties, that that was that was done with. That's right. Um, so that one I think is is okay. That's not one of the better ones. The other one too is is pretty strange, but it's more imaginative. Uh, you have uh, Task Times at Tone Town. That is a cult classic in a way, right? It, yes, it, it's sort of this. Um, you can tell it was made in the nineteen eighties. You have people with with mohawks. Uh, the text in the instruction manual uses a lot of slain, and uh, it it also it has sort of icons in the side that that you can use if you want. That is very interesting. Let's go through the premise briefly, right, for people who don't okay. know, because it is a bit of a cult classic. So the story is, and it's actually that game is actually fairly graphical for its time. It has the animated intro and stuff, um, and the DOS version came out in '86, and also it has CGI graphics. But if you had a composite output, it would make it look like a lot nicer. So it's like you you play as a kid whose grandpa invented a machine that turns dreams into reality, right? And and the villain of the game uh, kidnaps your grandpa in order to sort of make his world better by keeping the grandpa asleep the whole time. Uh, so he would keep <laughs> generating like nice things from dreams and stuff. And it's uh, your task is to uh, uh, to go and uh, uh, and free him. Uh, fairly unique premise. Uh, it, it uh, I do like that it has the icons, right? It, it has, uh, you know, like Mind Shadow is like your sort of typical, uh, interactive fiction with pictures, you know, like in a way the pictures sort of like, mm, I, I guess limited the text output on the screen, right? For those games. It was always mm-hmm. nice for an interactive fiction to have a nice descriptive paragraph. Well, when you have two thirds of the screen filled with a picture, you can't really have that. Uh, so in usual, usually in those games that like interactive fiction with the, uh, with pictures, the, the text was kind of limited. So that's sort of, so there's a similar problem in test times and in, in, in tone town, um, where now like half of the screen, half of the half, a third of a screen is a, is a, is a picture. Then there's a, the UI with the, with the extra verbs that you can quick access to, and then there's a text output. And it's actually a fairly complicated game. It's really imaginative, really, really crazy. And just like in every game of that time, you can you can die rather easily. So, so yeah, I don't know if you have any particular... I didn't play much of both of those games. I always wanted to get into Task Times and Tone Town, but I never really, never really managed to. One day I'll probably play through the entirety of it, just because it's such a... It's, it's, a, it's a kind of a famous cult classic right people who love it really love it uh i don't know do you have any kind of special uh memory about it i i remember getting excited with the title screen and with the music they had on the cd and then the game i just found found baffling at the time that's one i really should play again with a walkthrough 
But uh, I have uh, been reading some online about it, and um, unfortunately, the graphics on the DOS version are not very good. But there were uh, versions of it made for the Amiga yes. and for the Apple II GS that look much much uh, better. Mm-hmm. Um, so perhaps if you're uh, going to try and play it, those might be the versions to uh, to seek out. But I mean, it's nice. It's on the package. It's a much more unique um, game than than Mind Shadow. Yeah, it's, it's just crazier. <laughs> yeah, crazier. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, and speaking of graphics, if you go to play the DOS version, then set your, well, either get a composite monitor on a real machine or in a real <laughs> CGA card or DOSBox emulates composite output, at least in the SVN version. So, which is what I use to, to, I don't know if you've seen me post like a million screenshot comparisons lately, just because I, I, I finally discovered the force composite button. So now I can easily switch between the two. Finally, I, I didn't think of that before. Uh, so yeah, so it makes the game look a lot nicer in a DOS version. But of course, other, you know, especially something like Amiga, the Amiga, you know, DOS, IBM PC couldn't really compete with the Amiga to say, uh, at the time, uh, that early on. It, it didn't really, competition really didn't happen for another like five years after. Sure. And I, I'm thinking more of, you know, when this collection was released in 93, it was, um, DOS games it were you still had games released on DOS, but it, it to have a, a retro DOS compilation from one company is pretty unusual. Yeah, well, it's, I think yeah, it's also fairly early on. I mean, ninety three, there's already mm. a few CD-ROM titles out at that point. I mean, like some some companies started early, like you know Sierra and stuff like that started like in nineteen ninety one and uh, and stuff, which they weren't the first either. I mean, the the, the first CD-ROM game for 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 a computer was released in 89, right? But who had the CD-ROM drive in, in, sure. in 89? Nobody did. And let's also don't forget, Sierra offered the CD-ROM package that they would sell you, right? With the, uh, I think it was CD-ROM and, and maybe sound card and, and like a, a game. And I think that was nearly $500 on, on wow. launch. So, sure. and it's 500 of $1991, you know? So uh, <laughs> it's, it's quite a, quite a sum of money. So yeah, for for 1993, I can't really think of that many uh, companies releasing uh, like anthology compilations. Yes, um, ahead of its time. Uh, so um, the other one, let's see if we're going in order. Uh, the Bard's Tale, Bard's the, Tale. The, the first game. This one's very very famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would play this a lot. I think I like it more than something like oh, what uh, Wizardry, in which the whole thing is just in a dungeon. And yeah, in Bard's Tale there is a dungeon, but you know you can go to the to the bar at the beginning, you can walk, you can walk around the village. It seemed to have a bit more of a personality to it. Of course, you had to to map everything out on graph paper to get anywhere. Well, of course, I, and you would you would spend you know twenty minutes trying to create the perfect characters with rolling the dice. I get stats of eighteen and everything, and then you immediately get killed by the second monster you see. I think that's part of yes, well, um, it's part part of the process, part of the fun. It, yes, part of the process, part of the fun. And I think that um. It's called the Bard's Tale. The Bard is a class you can have, and that makes it quite, uh, that's different. It's not the standard, you know, fighter or, or, or wizard or thief. Right. And was known to be, you know, at the time, you, you know, hardcore RPGs were, were blooming at that time, right? But Bard's Tale was yes. known as, uh, sort of the more lighthearted one. You know, like slightly humorous here and there, you know, you could play songs and, and, and it, it had those sort of, uh, sort of not exactly like it's not hardcore serious, uh, might magical wizardry kind of kind of thing. 
No, and, and Bard's Tale had something that you see in a few of these other games in the collection, which makes the manual pretty important, and that, I guess, to save on disk space. Uh, not all the text for the game is in the game itself. It will refer you to the instruction right, the manual. paragraph. In yeah, the, so, so go to paragraph 17 or go to paragraph. Which very nicely, this DRAM also provides in a, in a plain text file for, for all those games that, uh, mm. that need it. It actually specifically states that it's in plain text format, so you can, so you can easily convert it, you know, to the, to the printable format of your choice. Right, and that's good because the the manual, while being four hundred pages for this whole collection, the binding was not so good. So I, it would sometimes fall apart, and that you have it as a text file. That's a nice, uh, that's a nice reference there. Mm-hmm. I even remember, I forget if it's for Bard's Tale, if it's for one of the other games. I would just read the manual and just read the paragraphs in numerical order. And they have some paragraphs that are just complete nonsense that never <laughs> appear in the game. Where one, it has a description of like, oh, a. Uh, uh, a naked woman is in a sauna and she looks at you and says, oh, you're reading the paragraphs out of order. Um, <laughs> so I think that that's a nice touch. They did not need to include some fake paragraphs like that, but they're, they're in there. And uh, yeah, the Bard's Tale is lighthearted. It's, I think if you hadn't played one of these older uh, CRPGs uh, before, I don't know if the Bard's Tale might be the best to, to start with. I think certainly like the original Ultima is an easier game than say Bard's Tale. Yes. But um, also original Ultima is not as, as, as serious and a hardcore as like sure, out sure. of like out of the main ones, right? So like if we're talking about let's say Might Magic Wizardry uh and, and Bard's Tale, out of those three, <laughs> Bard's Tale is obviously the, the, the most approachable. But yeah. that doesn't mean that it, it's it's going to be very easy for like a current gamer. No, no, the Bard's Tale. It's 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 a classic. It's worth trying out. They they released Bard's Tale on several different computer systems. It was also on the eight uh, bit Nintendo. Um, I seem to remember. So, and yeah, it's it's a fine choice for the collection. They didn't. They do uh, in this collection. They have you know games that are a lot of cult favorites, but you also have some licensed games in there as well as we'll mm-hmm. talk about later. And um, that that makes it interesting. It's not like they pick the most obscure games from their catalog that no one's heard of. Right, yeah. No, those are all very notable sort of t- titles, successful or not. You know, they're, 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 they're all sort of... Uh, I, I would kind of say all of those titles that we're going to talk about, th- that whole collection is worth trying out. I don't think we even need to recommend... Uh, each each of uh, each of those games, uh, some of them might be harder to get into than others, but they're they're all of them are worth looking into. Right. Um, do you have any memories of Bard's Tale? I the the only memory I have of it is that I couldn't play it. <laughs> the, <Yes>. uh, <laughs> it's I was never big on RPGs back then because I didn't speak any English, and I didn't have any manuals. So those two things kind of prevented me from from playing just about every RPG that wasn't easier accessible. I, I, like I, I got into some sort of dungeon crawlers uh, in the nineties, you know, when things like, well, I mean, Lands of Lore, right, is like really simplified, so mm. that's very easy to get into. And even if some stuff, you know, like I have the Beholder and just sort of like later later games but any of those 80s sort of rpgs apart from ultima ultima is pretty easy to get to like that's sort of the the rpg series that i seem to like the most just because i could play most of the games uh they're rather approachable so uh yeah not none of those old things 
Uh, next in the collection is Wasteland. Yes, that's a that's a big one. Definitely, it you know um, many call this a precursor to Fallout. It certainly has that a similar sort of yes. post nuclear Mad Max sort of setting. Um, and, and the the point of view of the gameplay is different from Bard's Tale. Uh, Bard's Tale is, is first person, as was common with RPGs at the mm-hmm. time. But this one, everything is uh, when you move when you move your um, party around, it's over head and then it's first person again when you get into battles yeah and um and that helps give i think it makes it feel a bit more like ultima i guess in that way mm-hmm. and um as you're exploring the the town but you just get a sense of how how barren everything is and that it has the uh the mad max kind of setting makes it really unique i think the animations and the color is better than in bard's tale oh yeah absolutely it's it's a it's a fairly big step up uh, I mean, the graphics could be kind of ugly by today's standards, right? Well, they're sort of basic, right? But then you have those, mm-hmm. when you get into battles, you know, like, everybody has, like, an animated portrait and stuff. And also, the game is big, uh really open. Maybe not the friendliest game, but certainly, I think, easier to get into than, than the Bard's Tale. And uh and also, again, it's 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 fairly humorous at times. Uh, it has that sort of inter, a lot of interplay RPGs are, have that sort of quality about them that they're slightly not serious. So, and of course it's, it's a classic, right? Not even a cult classic. I mean, for the time, I guess it was a cult classic, but over the years it kind of grew into a real classic. So yeah, and of course Spawn Fallout and, and, uh, and, uh, more recently Wasteland too, but that's a whole other thing. The setting of Wasteland, I recall just it, as a kid, really liking it and that it was an RPG where your characters could have guns and knives uh, I think made it fairly unusual right yeah um, it wasn't fantasy based that's right that's right like everything else was fantasy based because yeah everything else was like, been influenced yeah. by by D&D right so so this was a nice sort of standout title that's right I mean I think I should mention you know like and the way I got I'm thinking I'm remembering a bit now as we're talking about these games uh, the way I got bought this collection in the first place is I was first familiar with the interplay through um, their Super Nintendo games like uh, oh Rock and Roll Racing right. or uh, Blackthorn those happen to be Blizzard games yep. interplay uh, published and and then I heard oh they did computer games and I I'd played um, gee, as a kid like Dragon Quest or Final Fantasy on the uh, Super Nintendo and um and, and seeing what computer RPGs were like with like Bard's Tale and Wasteland were really quite um sort of blew my mind. It was quite different than what I was used to and, and certainly a lot more difficult. Right. But uh that didn't make them any any less fun. They just sort of had to uh you know, just be very patient and and not expect the beginning to be easy if you play like the old Final Fantasy games, the first town, first quest is super, super easy and it's supposed to be. But from the you know, Wasteland or Bard's Tale will kick your ass at the beginning um, even if you come in prepared and so sort of finding your perfect mix of characters to survive the initial encounters is a, is a, a big part of the fun of, uh, of these games and Wasteland is no different right, well, that's cool, yeah I mean, it's a classic for a reason again, the kind of game, I- I've tried playing a few times now and I'm more into it now and I've never beat it and one day I, I-, I probably should but yeah, it's the kind of game I couldn't play back then <laughs> I'm going to say that quite a few times during this okay. podcast. Oh, that's fine. <laughs> um, so next here, I'm going by the order of the pictures on the box. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dragon Wars, which is a strange game. It was I was read a rumor originally it was 
going to be Bard's Tale 4, and then they had to change the title to Dragon Wars for some reason. Something. I, I remember hearing, it was in the Matt Chat interviews with uh, Rebecca Heinemann, who was, uh-huh. a, who was a programmer on all those games, uh, and many other interplay titles and, and ports. But yes, so uh, something happened. I forget. I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna try to remember what happened. But yeah, this is essentially uh, another RPG, fantasy RPG, uh, based on the Bard's Tale engine, and was programmed by Rebecca Heinemann and designed by Brian Fargo and Paul O'Connor, who later became known for designing the Oddworld games. Hmm. Okay. So, and it's actually even more humorous. I don't know much about this game, but I've seen my, uh, my, uh, I don't know if anybody of my followers know Richard Goodness, uh, uh, who was on one of my podcasts and a big CRPG fan. And I saw him play it, and so- some of the enemies are hilarious. Probably the most standout that I've seen, uh, it, they were called, uh, the old guys. And, <laughs> and it's just a bunch of, it's a picture of an old dude, and a description for them says, some of these old guys know a thing or two. <laughs> and yeah, so it's, it's that game. But yeah, it's, it's essentially, uh, from what I understand, I haven't played that game at all, but I, it's sort of very Bardstale-like thing. It is, you know, I never got past the beginning area in this game, despite trying to play it a whole lot. You get, at the beginning, you're imprisoned and you have to escape, and it's a very, uh, desolate sort of, Sort of landscape. You don't. I don't think your characters even have that many clothes or, or weapons on them. And um, I love the, above all. I remember. I like the cover artwork to this game a lot. It looks a bit uh, like one of those Frank Frazetta uh, type. Well, of Well, um, it's uh, Boris Vallejo, isn't it? Was oh, is it Boris Vallejo? Okay. Um, it, it's a it's a nice piece of work. That's uh that's very good. And um, yeah, the Dragon Wars is not one of my favorites. It's nice. That it's on here. I I do wonder if they could have picked something else for 1989, but I'm not that familiar with their catalog because you've already. This is the third RPG in the collection. Yeah, there's a gap. Dragon Wars the the dust game actually came out in 1990. Uh, 90, okay. Yeah, and uh, 88 uh, is shared with uh, with uh, on dust at least with Battle Chess and Wasteland both which are which have different versions come out in different years on different platforms like Dragon Wars appeared the year earlier on Apple 2 and I think C64 right so that's technically an 89 game so and so did uh, so did Wasteland I think Wasteland is originally released in 87 but don't quote me on that not not the dust version so I, I'm okay. I'm only familiar with the with the, with the DOS dates, <laughs> but I always assume other platforms. Usually, if it was the case for like in the 80s for the 8-bit uh, computers, that usually that usually happened first. Yeah, um, you had mentioned Battle Chess, which is on this collection, the original version. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I played this game when I was very young. My dad had pirated a copy from work, and, and there are copies passed around the office and. Uh, I originally played it on um, on a 386 where the loading was very slow and hearing the PC speaker screams are just painful as the characters are being stabbed. <laughs> and, uh, and, and Interplay has remade Battle Chess several times or throughout the years, but this is just the original uh, disc version. And you can... It, it's just... This is how I learned how to play chess, was playing Battle Chess. And uh, one thing I notice playing it now is uh, if you choose... 
the default view, which has uh, the animated pieces and they animate as they walk and then they fight um, when you capture a piece or when one of your pieces gets captured, is it's very difficult to see where you're going in some in some ways because the characters are so big on screen and the perspective uh, makes it difficult to see where you're going on the board. Yeah. But you can also switch to a default chess mode that's your typical kind of overhead two-dimensional um, view, and it's actually easier to play that game, although you're missing the whole battle chess. Yeah, part the of whole it. point, yeah. But the, it's it's a, it's a famous title. I mean, I posted the picture of battle chess today, and people went crazy, being like, "I love it." That's how I learned to play chess. <laughs> Everybody loves battle chess. It was also in a variety of platforms, including the NES, um, and they had quite a few updates throughout the years, and and knockoffs as well. So it's a it's a it's a famous concept. But yeah, I mean, it's not. Uh, from what I'm hearing, I cannot. I actually, with all the chess games that that I have played on the computer, or, or let's say taken screenshots of, I don't know how to play chess. So again, I cannot remark on on the quality of this game. But I I heard that the AI is actually good, uh, especially for the time. Don't know if it's true or not, but most people seem to be satisfied with the AI, which is important in a chess game, of course. I recall the, the AI being good. I think if you if you set it to a, a higher level, it takes a really long time to think uh, between moves. Right. I, well, I think that was the case in in most PC chess games, of which there are a lot that I I, I have found. Oh out. yes. A couple of years ago, I think I started doing like screenshots. I was like, let me see how many chess games are out there. And there's quite a few famous ones, and I, I dug up a few forgotten ones, and there's there's a lot of them. And let me tell you, they like to think, those games. That's right. They like to think. They also like to load the uh, the animation <laughs> sequences. I mean, Battle Chess uh, Interplay later reloaded it at, or remade it as a CD-ROM version that had SVGA graphics, right, and and more detailed animation. Uh, Battle Chess Two. Uh, is Chinese checkers, which is quite mm-hmm. strange. Um, but it, it has a cool graphical aesthetic. Yeah. And it's on VGA. Yeah, so graphics are a bit better in that one. Uh, you had, I think, Battle Chess 4000 was like space yes. themed. Yes, and it was pre-rendered th- 3D things. So yeah. they're kind of ugly, but the animations are, are really amusing. But you mentioned some of the, the Battle Chess knockoffs. You had Terminator 2 Yes, chess. oh yeah, the Capstone uh, game. Yeah, uh, uh, Star Wars chess. Star Wars chess, yeah. Uh, uh, the, there was the what's it called? The National Lampoon one. Oh, that's right. With the digitized actors on the 3D board that you could rotate. Um, there's a few other ones I think as well. But uh, you know, battle chess is where it started. It is. I especially remember liking the animations when you play. Uh, if you capture a piece as a pawn. The pawn is so little, he might step on someone's foot, and they'll bounce around and fall over. And <laughs> so it's it's a nice sense of humor. Yes, yeah, it's, it's it's a fun game, I guess, if you know how to play chess. I don't, so not so much fun for me. Uh, have you played Castles at all? That's one on this collection. Uh, I've heard of Castles. It's it's a bit of a cult game, but I, I think its sequels are uh, are more sort of popular amongst the fan of the series so uh i I have touched castles long time ago and i can uh, i've never got far but i uh, i kind of i i I know what kind of game it is it's a fairly unique game i guess have you played yeah i i I did yeah i've been playing it uh, the past few weeks good old games uh 
made it available recently. In fact, there's been a lot of interplay games mm-hmm. on good old games. Uh, some of their Star Trek ones as well mm-hmm. uh, have been on there. And yeah, Castles, it, it's quite different from its, its sequel. This first one, it's literally mainly a castle building simulator mm-hmm. in that it takes a few years of game time to build one big castle. And about every month or so of game time, uh, I think you can set between a, a, a historical campaign or a fantasy campaign, but basically you're the king, uh, in, in these pretty good graphics for the cutscene, someone comes up to you and sort of gives you a choice, and it's like, oh, this guy was caught poaching rabbits on your property. Do you murder him, or do you let him get away with it? And then this will affect things later on. It'll affect how much you get attacked. It'll affect who you get attacked by. Um, it... it and the and the combat is quite limited. It's it's uh, more limited than something like Command and Conquer or Dune Two. Right. You have to go and um, you can build um, archers and soldiers, and you're you're being told, oh, the enemy is approaching from the east, but you're not told where in the east they're approaching from. So mm-hmm. you kind of plop down your characters, and then the battle starts, and hopefully you chose wisely. And so yeah, it it it's very unique. The the other one I think is more of a uh, a strategy, uh, a political game where there's more sort of wheeling and dealing you can do. And this, it's like you can, it, it's quite strange when you start the game, you see a menu and you can pick um, how many castles you can build at once or how many castles is in the campaign. So do you want your campaign to be you have to finish three castles to finish the game or one castle or what have you and I chose one castle by accident, and after you know a few hours, I beat that <laughs> scenario. And then it just says "thank you for playing," and it kicks you back to DOS. Nice. <laughs> so, not uncommon at the time, but this was a a pretty okay game. It's not. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. That Castles Two is is a better one, but um, I believe you can get Castles in Castles Two on good old games, which is sort of nice. You can compare the two, and I think it's only like six dollars. It's not very much. So uh, I had I had a lot of fun with Castles, although playing it now, I had to look at the manual for an hour to figure out how to play it because it has no tutorials, which was common at the time. You had to sort of figure... If you didn't have the instruction manual, right. you know, you're, you're, screwed. you're sort of stuck. Yeah. You're screwed. Yeah. Um, yeah. A few of these games in the collection did have CD-ROM versions, but you only get the... Yes, you get, only get the the original floppies, as stated on the on the box. We actually skipped over a game, because yeah. uh, uh, that's the version of Castles. Was there any... It probably was on different platforms. I, I'm not sure about Castles. Uh, that, that was not a very famous one. But we skipped over the the Lord of the, Ring, Lord of the Rings Volume 1. And oh, the, yes. The original right. release happened in 1990. Uh, for that's that right. game, and that's a kind of a, fa- it's kind of an interesting game that time forgot, right? In a way, it it is. Um, I, I recall the CD-ROM version. The main difference was it had video clips from the Ralph Bakshi. Yes, cartoon. it had the, the, the Bakshi animations, and uh, it had one of the issues was addressed uh, in the game that that was people's main complaint. The you you could see the auto map. You could zoom out into the auto map, which ah. which did not exist in the original version. So I haven't played this this game much either. And it and they made Volume Two and updated the original game to the CD-ROM. But I don't know. Does Volume Two wrap up the actual story, or is it, it does not? No, there was okay. Supposed so to do volume so three they never volume actually two. made Return of the King, right? So, That's right. No, they never did. Return okay. of the Okay. So I guess it never really did particularly well. But it is a bit of a weird thing because 
It's an adaptation of the first book of Lord of the Rings, right? Almost yes. in its entirety and fairly close in a style that's not too different from, let's say, Ultima 6. That's right. Uh, yep. So you have sort of the, the party-based going ar- goings around and you control, well, you control Bilbo and, uh, uh, and, uh, what's the other two's names, whatever. Uh, so you start with the, with three hobbits and you go around talking to people and, uh, the battles are turn-based. Uh, yeah, there are battles where you like fight off wolves and whatnot in the, in the, in the forest and stuff and you can, uh, but the difference is you actually don't have to stick to the book, um, the party management and the paths are are all up to you, from what I understand. Like you can deviate from the book quite significantly. That's right. It's yeah. It's it's very open ended. Um, one thing I like about it is that you start in Hobbiton, and there's a whole lot of side quests you can do in Hobbiton mm-hmm. uh, if you so desire. And also because you're hobbits, you don't do very good in combat. Right. So you can you can die very easily, which which felt. Also, through, um, yes, combat can be avoided lots of times, from what I understand. And but the biggest thing is, uh, speaking of combat, is you don't level up and you don't you don't get any experience points. This is essentially in the, uh, kind of like, well, you know, uh, almost like a later Ultima game, but not even that, mm-hmm. where it's essentially an adventure game disguised as an RPG. So. In, in so so the combat isn't really necessary and it kind of feels shitty that that it's in there in the first place you know and then there's this huge open maps it's a very open game just like very the more i think about the ultimate comparison the more i think it's it's very really fair where just those giant open maps where you just start running around uh you know all over the place so uh i can see why it never sort of caught on i think it's a all things considered, that's a pretty good approach to the Lord of the Rings game, especially if you want to just, you know, not base the game uh, in its world like a strat- like the strategy Lord of the Rings games, right? But but actually stick to the story somewhat. It's an interesting approach, uh, but I guess it never really caught on since the hence the final part never being banned. Yeah, maybe it's just uh, something about interplay running uh, out of time with the license or something. Um... There's a there was a really good article on Polygon I think a year ago that looks at many of the Lord of the Rings games that were made and they talk about uh, this one in particular and they mention how originally it wasn't even supposed to be a Lord of the Rings game really but then interplay yeah but then interplay got the license and so they had to make it fit with Lord of the Rings well that is so weird because uh-huh. I mean it fits really well <laughs> it does it does I, I wouldn't have guessed it had I not. I mean, it must have been either early on in the, in the, like, that couldn't have been like a later, like, rejig, uh, of any kind. Like, the, the story is what drives that game and the world. So, like, I, I can't see it not being either that or they had to redo quite, quite a lot of the work. So, yeah, like, uh, I really don't know. Like, I, I can't not, I can't picture that game and be like, okay, yeah, if you just take out this and this and this, it could be something else. Like, it's a Lord of the Rings game, very much. Yes, and, uh, Lord of the Rings Volume 2, I've never played. Um, Neither they have did I. not do a, they did not do a CD-ROM version, uh, from what I understand of Volume 2, just a Volume 1. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, another one on, on here is Star Trek, uh, 25th Anniversary. 
which right. is a, a mixture of an adventure game, but it's also part of a flight sim for some of the action sequences. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's actually the 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 most recent game on that on that compilation because the floppy version came out uh, in 1992, and I think the CD-ROM version wouldn't come out till 1994. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, uh, it's a, it's, it's actually a fairly famous game. So you get sort of the episodic like, uh, scenarios from Star Trek where you sort of, uh, control the, the ship as the captain, you know, you get to fly the ship and then you get to get, give commands for shields and speed and whatnot uh, and comms, um, and shoot ships down or whatever, and and you also get the adventure part where you um, beam down on the planet uh, and get to explore and stuff uh, in adventure. Now the adventure part of it is not particularly good, and the action parts are kind of annoying. So it's cool game overall, but. But but the good thing about it, all those issues have been addressed in the sequel. So like a sequel is kind of the same game, really, but but better designed. Uh, Judgment rights for which there's a non-interactive trailer on that included in that CD-ROM collection. But yes, I mean Star Trek 25th Anniversary, I think, is a fairly well-known DOS game. It's also on GOG, uh, as is Judgment rights and 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 something else. Yes. Um... No, 25th anniversary. It's, it's fun, but yeah, the adventure parts, it gets very picky with where you, you click. Um, one thing I do like though is in each self-contained, uh, episode of the game, you can approach it sort of differently and you get scored at the end. Mm-hmm. So if you try to play it more, um, if you know, if you're like less violent, I think you get a higher score. A, uh, a red shirt tends to go down on the planets with you, and if they die, you get a worse score. <laughs> um, and, and on the CD-ROM version, which is not included in this collection, is really worth uh, checking out, because they got the original cast members to reprise their roles. And, um, and that's true of both the 25th anniversary and uh, Judgment Rights. Mm-hmm. And I, I think in Judgment Rights, the voice work is also better quality. Everybody seems a bit more interested, so I guess better, slightly better directed. Yeah, William Shatner just seems a bit bored in 25th anniversary. He, I, I don't, I don't know what it is, but you're right. In Judgment Rights, it's also, I think, one of the, might have been the last time that, um, some of those Star Trek actors got to play those parts. Quite possibly. I'm not so sure about it. I'm not big on Star Trek, despite every single one of my best friends being a huge Trekkie. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not an expert, but it, it very well could be. But yeah, like, it's, it's a fine game. With even a better, like, refined sequel. Yeah, the copy protection in uh, Star Trek 25th Anniversary is very annoying. You get your first um, sort of assignment to go to this planet, and then you click on the galaxy navigation part of the ship. And it's this map of stars and different grids. And there's like a hundred different choices, and you have to look in the instruction manual and see exactly which star and which quadrant you're supposed to click on. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, it's it's effective copy protection because you won't get very far. If, if you pick an incorrect planet, the Klingons will be there, and you'll be attacked and die immediately, or, or the Romulans will attack you. So, um, it, it's a unique way to do copy protection, but it's fairly annoying if you don't if you don't have the manual at hand. Right, right, all right. But yeah, I mean, it's worth checking out, most certainly. It, it's, sure, it's, it's, a, it's a classic yeah. dust game for sure. 
And the other one on here that I must have skipped over was Out of This World. Yeah, also known in the rest of the world as Another World. And that, mm. in that collection, I mean, I enjoy these games and some of them I played more, some of them less. But Another World happens to be one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> I adore that game. Uh, so Another another World is a sort of a, a, a story-based action platformer i don't even know what we call those those things the sort of the the prince of persia knockoffs i know that cinematic platformers they're called officially but it's i I have a review on my channel from years like six or seven years ago but uh uh it's a cinematic platformer made by one man one one frenchman uh, eric shai and the dust version of it is actually it was originally for an amiga but the dust version of it is is a bit more refined um, it, it, it has extra content that the, uh, original, uh, Amiga version doesn't have. And just overall, it's, it's, it's slightly faster. And just as good looking, it's an amazing game. 16 colors only. Those polygonal vector graphics, rotoscope graphics, uh, are beautiful. And it has this thing where you just, it's an action platform and your reaction time is, 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 is vital because just about everything kills you. And it's that process where you die, you learn and, you sort of do everything over and over again. Uh, but you play as this guy, Professor Lester Knight Chaikin, who, uh, drives a Ferrari late at night to, to, <laughs> to, to some kind of a science facility, uh, where he, uh, performs, uh, a, 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 a particle, uh, acceleration experiment in the middle of the night, lightning strikes, and, um, he's transported into another world where he's shortly after he survives the initial few screens and uh, and local uh 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 fauna and flora i guess um uh, he gets sort of shackled and put in the cage with another alien known as buddy and not uh, mark suber or michael luba or whatever the fuck people like to call him he's known as <laughs> buddy and you both escape and you sort of you sort of fight your way out together for, uh, against bad aliens and stuff and every, it's very devious it's very, it's it's kind of diff- people always complain that it's super difficult but honestly with enough repetition even like the most annoying part of it the the caves are fairly easily beatable and the checkpoints are, are fairly abundant in the dust version you know if you're not being saved for a while that means that you're at the part of the game where you can do things in multiple sequences and you're in the yard and you're not doing them right you know in the right order so which that's the reason why you're being set back so so far in the caves so that's your sort of but i love it it's extremely cinematic and the first time i finished it first of all i will never forget the first time i've seen the intro i was at my friend's house he booted it up uh on his 286 that intro with the car pulling up yes. next like i will never ever and it also does the, the quality sound out of it. It, it it pulses this pc speaker to make actual not beeps and boops but the actual sounds and music digital uh, so it's one of those games and uh, it looks gorgeous and uh, it, it plays beautifully. The controls are, are, are fairly good for that sort of a game. Um, and it has so many emotional moments where like the guard grabs you and then, you know, you hit a key and like the Lester kicks him in the balls and you have like a <laughs> second to, to like grab the gun and then whatever happens at the end. I, I nearly cried the first time, uh, I got to the end. You know, it's, it's, it's very sort of, 
you can clearly tell it's a French, like French auteur game, right? It's very unusual, even for the time. I mean, let's, 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 uh, you know, the, the computer game industry at the time was full of experimentation. There were really no set formats. But even for the time, that game really stands out. It's clearly inspired by Prince of Persia, right? Yes. But it takes that concept and makes it even more cinematic and less puzzly. Uh, and I, yeah, I absolutely ad- adore it. I, I collect and play every version. I, I, I have currently played, I think, every single version, every single port of Another World for every platform. Uh, but I do my favorite, my, my preferred version is the DOS version. The opening cinematic is nice because it it takes its time. You know, he's just driving his car. He gets a can of soda from the machine at <laughs> yes. work. He's sitting down at the computer. There was no reason they had, they had to animate all this stuff, but they did. Yeah. And then when you're uh, transported into the d- other dimension, you're immediately underwater, and if you don't swim straight up, these tentacles come and pull you down. And if if you swim up and you stand in one spot, they still come out of the water and grab you. Oh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the beginning almost reminds me a little bit of Dragon's Lair, in that you're in such danger in the beginning, you have to know exactly what to do, running left, running right. But after that, up to the point where you get captured and you escape and you get the the gun and you get the energy shield mm-hmm. then then you can sort of take more of your time and be a bit more yes. tactical it's and, it's, and it's it's a bit more puzzling and explorer although some action bits are fairly hairy like when you have two guards on both both of your sides that are closing in and you really have yeah. to know another thing that I love about it it's it the game is controlled by only five keys right it's the arrow keys and and, and enter or space or insert whichever you want to use for your action button it's essentially designed for a joystick so mm-hmm. like you get everything like to to hit something or to kick something it's the button if you hold the button and press in the direction you run you know and then your gun has short burst will fire weapon but if you hold the button you know it you'll make a shield and stuff so it's 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 really fantastically designed to think it's one guy did all the work but the sound and music Mm. You know, it's, it's, abs- I mean, it took him like two years, but, but it's absolutely, and the game is fairly short. If you know what to do, like I can beat this game with my eyes closed nowadays, which a lot of people were like, apparently to this day, people find this game really hard. Honestly, if you played it a hundred times, you're going to just finish it in like 20 minutes and be done with it. <laughs> but, but, uh, it's, it's incredibly cinematic and really emotional. Like there's some really like, fantastic turns like when you and buddy have to split up you know buddy saves you uh sort of sac- being captured himself and then you you sort of save him uh and then whatever everything that happens at the end like all of that is 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 a really really cool cool experience i love that game and I, and the graphics are done in such a way i think that it it still holds up today it's stylized enough yes it's it's pretty timeless which is good because for the new editions they they didn't change the the graphics for the characters. They just redrew the backgrounds badly. But but <laughs> but you can turn on the original polygonal. You know, it looks like a modern day vector game. I mean, it it, it is a vector game. So so yeah, and to think like I you know sixteen colors in every one of those backgrounds. I mean, it's it's artistically it's beautiful. It's absolutely fantastic. Such an incredible use of of color and imagery. And like, there's this moment right when you get ca- when you break free. And if you just take the elevator to the top floor and go next to the window, all it is is just like this this scrolling thing of you looking at the world at the fortress f- uh, through the bars. Mm, you know, just pans right. up and it just goes. You know, like <laughs> like all of it is very ominous. You know, it's not it's not a happy game. 
but it it really does give you that sense of adventure. In a way, I actually always say that uh, another world did for platformers what you know Half Life repeated that. That's what Half Life did mm. for first person shooters. It took that sort of formula of you being the player uh, and things unfolding around you. As because another world has cutscenes, right? But it also has shit happening as you play. Like once you start breaking, when you break out, there's some kind of a there's some kind of a like there's some kind of a prison break going on at the same time. As soon as you break That's out, right. you know, like and you see people running like closer to the screen, and you see people shooting behind and in front of you. You know, there's always it puts you. It actually does the, the way it does world building is 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 great. Like uh yeah, I I. I I've said it a million times. I can talk about Another World for, for hours and hours. I love it so much. It's an incredible game. And I, I remember how um, how happy I was when I solved this first pu- one of the early puzzles in the game, which is pretty simple looking back on it. Mm-hmm. But you get you get captured at the beginning, and you're in the cage, mm-hmm. and that you have to, you know, like as you said, you just have the uh, the arrow keys and the space bar. And you're sort of stuck in the cage. At first, you think you can't do anything, but if you, you push left and right, yeah, you start rocking. You, you can it. rock back and forth, and you keep on increasing that <laughs> until it, it, it the chain breaks and you it falls on top of the guard. Of the guard who was like shooting in the air previously, telling you to stop. Like yeah. he's like uh, Uchenga, Uchenga, <laughs> <laughs> and and like he's like ah, oh! like you, and then Buddy shows you his 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 famous, you know, Matsuba. <laughs> uh, and you pick up the gun and you're fucking off to go. And from there it gets really, really hectic. Uh, I, I really, I really love that game and it's great that it's been that, uh, Eric, uh, kept the rights to it. And well, first of all, it's like on every platform ever, uh, with uh, Rebecca, Rebecca Heinemann actually handling the ports for, uh, 16-bit consoles. Uh, that were done on the cheap and presented quite a significant technical challenge because, you know, she had to port that polygonal vector engine to those consoles. And she did. There, she gave quite a few interviews of how challenging it was because Interplay wouldn't shell out for like extra, extra, pro- you know, chips, uh, to make the process faster or memory bigger. So she had to work with quite a few constraints on those ports. And, uh, and then, but, but nowadays the, the rights, are reverted back to Eric, or maybe he always had them. So you can now buy the 15th and 20th anniversary edition for just about every platform, including uh, a phone. Like I have it on my Android. Oh wow! It was ported by .emo, and you would think that game, the actual touch interface for that game, is actually fairly nice. The way it's done, mm. like you can double tap on the one side to run, and you just tap the corner to sort of do the action. It's 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 and some sections have been simplified because of that, but it's actually a fun game to play on the go. And uh, yeah, it's available on everything: on the 3DS, on 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 Windows, on on Mac, on Linux. It's everywhere. Yeah, and I think the controls in that game are simple enough where they they probably do control pretty good on a, a touch phone. Um, yeah, well, the controls, you know, usually when games like this are ported, you get like a virtual joystick of some kind, and it's usually terrible bullshit uh yeah that's not the case actually it's it's it has its own sort of control you sort of you double tap to run to one side if you need to jump all of a sudden you just sort of swipe up and uh and he jumps so it's easier to sort of you know because it has some intense action bits 
in the game. So it needed to be a lot more responsive than just a virtual joystick. And it comes, all those 15th and 20th anniversary edition come with the, uh, and on all platforms as well. You can switch between sort of updated modern graphics and the original graphics on the fly. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Well, I also mentioned the, um, the CD-ROM had demos for several other uh, interplay games. Mm-hmm. And, and they're quite varied. I mean, some of it is, is stuff related to what's on, what the 10 main games are. You have a demo for the Battle Chess CD-ROM version. Yeah, I looked it up. It's actually a separate demo set that they, that they pushed on every CD that came out at that time. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's exactly uh, the same. Cause when I got the, I just took a screenshot from, uh, Battle Chess enhanced CD-ROM version. And it's exactly, it's, it's the same folder, the same, it's separate executable, uh, uh to run okay. it. And it's that same set of demos. Well, you know, um, let's see, they had a, a demo on here for, uh, Alone in the Dark. Yes, which is really weird. I've actually never seen that before. That demo is, uh, one room that you cannot leave. It's just the attic and you can't leave it. There is no end, as far as I could tell, there was no end screen or whatever. And the zombie and the sort of the saber-toothed bird get spawned in indefinitely. That's all there is. I kind of weird. <laughs> I guess more of a technical demo. I mean, at the time, Alone in the Dark was very impressive, but trying to go back to that game now is nearly impossible. Oh, no, I no. I, I play it like every year. I can finish it with my eyes closed. I love that game. Another one of my favorite games of all time. <laughs> it might be a bit clunky today but i still think it's it's very rewarding yeah and i think the the music of that one would scare me as a kid oh yeah uh, just just the beginning cinematic you have the car going oh, yeah. towards the house with a cre- creepy zombie hand out the window creepy zombie hand out the window uh the i, I can just picture the music the music and right now and yeah it's uh it's pretty good um so yeah interplay tent year anthology is very it's a very interesting uh collection. Uh, I did some research and I was a bit surprised they also came out with an Interplay 15-year mm-hmm. anthology. Yep. And they also came out with the Anthology Volume 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they used to be a really huge uh, one of the major computer game uh, publishers. And um, they're still around. I see what on, on Steam they came out with a, another version of Battle Chess not so long ago. Really? And uh, Yeah. Um, let, me, let me pull this up. It's on their website. Games and development. It's called Battle Chess Game of Kings. Um, it was on early access, but it had a full release as of June 2015. And um, Interplay recently did a Kickstarter for a Descent game. Um, that I guess they're working on a new one of those. So, yeah, so it's yeah from from Boogerman to Earthworm Jim and what have you. They they did a lot of games over the years, but this uh, this 10 year anthology I think is a good way. To check out some of their some of their classics, and it's nice that you have some adventure games, some RPGs. Castles is sort of a strategy game, and then Out of This World is more of an action game. It's a good mixture. So e- even if you don't like one kind of a game, you'll probably find something on this collection that would appeal to you. I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, no, absolutely. Uh, I will check out uh, the other collections um, for sure. Uh, I I hope the level of presentation is is just as good as the uh, tenth anniversary because I I was really impressed. Yeah, it was it was way more than they probably should have done. I I think I don't know. Like I don't know if the average person might have noticed uh, everything that they did and that uh, even the concept in 1993 of having a 
a game where you could put the game in your CD player and listen to music. Was pretty yeah, extra unusual. extra tracks were were fairly nice. But although because of that, I don't know if I mentioned this in the beginning of the podcast. I don't remember what any happens. But when you pick those installers, the reason it shows you the art for so long is uh, is because it copying the it's copying the files to your hard drive, the installer, so it can run the installer while it's playing the music. <laughs> um, so. At the time, probably not a very nice move, <laughs> but, but, but yeah, uh, it's still, it's still cool to have those things nonetheless, especially the interviews. I mean, how many, how many things at the time came from gaming companies that had, you know, anything relating to, to anything relating to, to actually making of a game, you know, that was really rare. Sure. I mean, the, cl- the closest thing I can find is I can think of. Is what Sierra would have. You might have a picture of, oh, this is Al Lowe and this guy made the game. Right. But they certainly wouldn't have an interview with him as part of the. Well, Sierra, I mean, they did the mag, Sierra did the whole, Sierra had the, the they, whole Sierra well, sure. call. They their, their, so, so there was the interaction the magazine, magazine and in the, let's say in the King's Quest collection, there is actually a, a significant thing. Uh, you know, there were, there were like separate things with the King's Quest trivia and it had plenty of interviews with Roberta Williams and, and, uh, that actually shows pictures of, uh, Windows 3.1 port of King's Quest 1 and 2, which I don't think actually exists, at least not on that collection and I've never seen it. So if anybody is aware of, uh, Windows 3.1 port of AGI engine, let me know in comments. Um, but yeah, again, Besides from Sierra, aside from Sierra that sort of cultivated that, uh, mm. their own right. sort of company name brand, you didn't really know much about game development. Uh, well, from magazines maybe, but not like included with the actual games. And this, the 10th sure. year anthology actually offered you interviews for every single one of the games in the collection. Yes, and that it also came with a 400-page printed manual for all these old games was was really nice, and that was something that was more uh, more common at the time. Mm-hmm. But they could have they could have just had it as a as a text file, and they they have went to the expense of the whole printed out book, which is nice. I used to have that on my bookshelf for <laughs> years until it fell apart. Aww. So nice, uh, very nice memories there. But uh, yeah, this has been fun talking about these games. I haven't absolutely in a while. Yeah, this is great. Well, f- thanks. Uh, Thanks for being here, sir. Um, if if people want to find you online, what what can they do? Yeah, so on Twitter, look for at matwbt, and uh, I, I write on lasertimepodcast.com and uh, battleshippretension.com. So you can search for my name, uh, Matt Bradley Shergi, uh, on there. But good luck trying to spell that name. <laughs> so there you go. Alrighty, well, thank you very much, sir, for being here. And to everyone who's listening, thank you for listening. And if you have a topic for this podcast uh, that you can talk about for for an hour or two, uh, find me on Twitter, at Dust Nostalgic, and let me know that you'd like to be a guest. And uh, this has been fun, and hopefully uh, uh, we'll see each other again on another episode of Dust Nostalgia podcast. Goodbye, and remember your video game history.